So ask, say, Lord, my heart is open this evening. Give me a word. Give me a word. Instruct me in the way I should go. Correct me. If possible, rebuke me. Release grace unto me, Lord, this evening. We bless your name forever. Father, we thank you for great things you will do amongst your people this evening because we are sure you have not gathered, gathered us in vain. Glorify Jesus in this gathering this evening. Do great things amongst your people. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding, which we do anytime we want to go into the Word of God to study. Right, so look on the cover of the magazine that was given to you. You'll see something written at the bottom. As we, as we start to study the Word, this is our declaration. Okay, have you seen that? Okay, so let's take it together from the bottom of our hearts. And let's activate the grace apparatus for perception. Then that's many years ago from one man of God. He's to speak very technical words. Are we ready? One, two, let's go then. I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, what God will do in making you more like Jesus is making... Hey, I never talk now. This amen is powerful. Okay, the Lord receives it in Jesus' name. Now, let me now pray the prayer. What the Lord will do this time in making you more like Jesus Christ is to make you a conduit of spiritual power. Say amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever be the obstruction of the flow of spiritual power in you, the word will come and remove it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Many times God wants to flow his power into somebody or through an individual. But there is an obstruction. There is an obstruction. Sometimes it's a stronghold in our hearts. We just hold on to it. You understand? There is an obstruction. And that is what the world will be tackling in this season in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why God used to tell them to purify themselves because the Lord wants to come down. Because many times, that impurity in the hearts of people is the reason why he can't do what he wants to do. Sometimes he will say the hand of the Lord is not shutting that he cannot deliver. So why are they not experiencing deliverance? It's something makes a separation between people and the power of God. And that's what the word comes to sort, to sort out, to settle, to remove. That separation, the word comes to bridge the gap. It bridges the gap in repentance. It, that is, it makes people know what they should repent of. It bridges the gap, you understand, with understanding. It helps them to know where to focus on. So that that gap will be breached and the power of God will be able to flow. So I'm praying again this evening that that, power, that, that the word of God will come to bridge that gap in your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Not only will you receive spiritual power, you'll be a conduit of spiritual power. Amen. Did you hear what I said? You are, you are being blessed to be what? A blessing. You are, not at the, you are not the end of blessing. You will eat your portion. Because the husbandman that labors must be what? a first partaker of the fruit. So it's important. So as you are blessing people, you also you will be blessed. 
But that is how the blessing of God in your life is. It is not for you alone. It's not about being nice. It's about the abundance of blessing. I hope you're getting my point. Imagine that God blesses you and says, I give you five cows for your birthday. What are you going to do? Start selling cow? No, what will happen is that, okay, he won't give you cow you can sell. The one they have slaughtered with the meat. You know what you will do? Party. That's all you do. Every visitor, every visitor that comes, you say, ah, do you, won't you like some meat? You will cut and give them. They say, this man is so generous. No, he's very abundant. Are, look, there's generosity that comes out of a heart that just knows how to squeeze and give. But there's a kind of generosity that, please, let it not spoil in my house. Take your portion. Let me pray for you. God will give you both kinds of generosity. Amen. You'll be able to give in the midst of your little. Amen. But you also make all grace abound towards you. You will have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You have, it's time, maybe you don't own a house yet. It's time to parent. Then God will do something for you. You needed a certain amount just to make it easy. Let's say 200,000 naira. The day before, he'll give you 500,000. And then somebody will come complaining about his own rent a day before yours is due. And you will know, you know, there are things you will do. If you don't do, you know, God will vex. I don't know whether you're getting my point. There are things if you don't do, you don't need anybody to preach to you. You will just know that the Lord is angry. The Lord is angry. <laughs> so that kind of thing, as the money lands, as the need, two needs land at the same time, and the money is more than enough to cover both, you will just know that it's God that sent it. You're not a nice man. You're a man of knowledge. He will give you a heart that gives. Amen. And he will give you plenty to give. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord is good. Lord is I said the Lord is good. Lord is Let's sit down. Let's sit down. Let's continue teaching. I've been explaining. It's a season of the flow of supernatural power. When you see calamity for children of God, he said, look up. Your redemption draws near. In the midst of troubles, don't be afraid like everybody else. Neither fear ye their fears. If everybody is afraid of coronavirus, don't be afraid of it. When I say don't be afraid of it, it's not just about know that you will not die. Yeah, that is there. That is one part of it. But you should also get to a point in your life that, now get my point, please, don't misunderstand me. You're not even afraid of death. A lot of people are confessing the word because they're afraid to die. <laughs> In Jesus' name, I will not die. I will not die. I will not die. If I die, not this goes for. I will not die. I will not die. That's one kind of confession. It's not the best one. There's a kind of confession of the word that is a statement of get away. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Death, can you kill somebody? You can even if I die, then go. Does that mean you have one? There's a kind of attitude. You must understand. You know, the Christianity we practice sometimes. It's not a very nice one. We are fixated on the world, but we just want God to solve our worldly problems. I don't know whether you're getting my point. A lot of Christians are that level, and I'm praying that you, you will leave that level. Yes, there's this kind of, you know, you see Christians, they give, they are very generous. But the reason is because, I mean, they appear generous. But it's all because they want more. I hope you know. It's a common problem in Christianity. People give a lot because of what? They want more. And somebody said the way you get more is to give. And they believe it, which is not a true doctrine. I'm sorry. It's not a true doctrine. It's inaccurate. It's not totally wrong. It's just incomplete. It's defective. 
He has a lot, you know, he's a car with no spare tire, and the front tire is old. <laughs> Are you getting my point? He's moving small, small, but he goes soon bust. In the middle of the night, to leave you stranded. That's that kind of doctrine. The engine is moving, but of the four cylinders, one plug is dead. The other injector head is half blocked. That's that kind of doctrine. So occasionally you will see, it's as if the person gets to where he's going, but really, he's not moving. If you put the whole, you know, the whole counsel of God together, you know that doctrine is faulty. We don't give because we want to get. We get because we want to give. You know what I said? For Christians, the reason we get is so we can give. And it's in the Bible like that. I didn't invent it. The reason you walk is so Paul said, so you can have to share. So giving is first for us. It's not the way by which we multiply what we have. A lot of Christians, they take that doctrine into, they have diligent givers, but their offerings are actually not accepted before God. Because they're not giving. They are trying to multiply. They have not let go. Givers let go. I've heard people say that when you give, you take a record so that you'll be able to remind God so you can multiply it. You're not a giver, you're an investor. And don't try and spiritualize it. It's a bad thing. You're selfish. A lot of times that's the problem we have as believers. We are very worldly, but we use, like I discussed last time right here, we use our righteousness to pursue unholiness. Let me say that again. We use righteous works to pursue the end that is not holy. We are not sanctified in our desires and our purposes, generally in our lives. And there's little sanctification, but there's extensive pursuit of righteousness. I will not steal, I will not bribe, I will pray, I will do this. But for what end? So that I can get this one. Because you see, that's the problem. The focus is what you can get. It is not godliness with contentment. The person who is doing godliness with contentment rejoices in the righteousness. That is, I have learned righteousness. It pleases God. That's it. So now I began that by trying to explain. So sometimes when we are saying that I will not live, I will not die, I will live, it's not as if we are so attached to the world for believers. It shouldn't be. It is more like, ah, there are times you look and say, God, please, oh, I don't mind, though. You can kill me anytime. But this devil, not now. I don't know whether I get the point. There's something can used to say those days. You go and minister to some sick people. In fact, this particular story, an elderly woman who had cancer that has spread in her body. So he got there and prayed for her. wanted to pray with her. And the woman was 70-something. I don't, yes, she was about close to 80. He said, oh, no, 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 don't worry, don't bother, don't bother. I've lived, I've served the Lord, I've had this fulfilling life, serving God. Let me just die. And the two young preachers, Kenegi was in his 30s, said to her, you can die if you want, no problem. But we don't want you to die like this. So let's come to an agreement. You first get healed, then you die. That was the deal. That there's no problem, you can die. Well, that's, I mean, to, to depart and be with the Lord, which is far better. But he said, this is not the type of death that glorifies God. So it took them some days. They persuaded the woman that this is your death. We are not convinced it glorifies God. So please get well first. So she agreed with them. And they began to pray for her. They were ministering the word of God to her. They would come, you know, read scriptures to her, lay hands on her. 
After some weeks, I don't know how long, she began to improve. And then one day she became totally well. And everybody was happy. And then she changed her mind about dying. Because at the age of 90, she was still preaching. She was a preacher. So sometimes for us believers, that's the attitude. It's not as if, ah, see this is my house. Who will not live in it if I die now? God says, you don't understand. Where you are going to, no matter what you build on this earth, is it not this house you are building small, small, one year, one block? <laughs> There's one guy building a house near me. We don't calculate. Say, this guy, nobody's living in this house in the next 10 years. Unless God does a special miracle by the hand of Paul. <laughs> so the handkerchief taking will come and complete this house. Because the man lives abroad. Apparently he's hustling somewhere. He will come hustle. Then, within one very big block of lads. He will hustle, then lift it small. And we've been watching this lifting for the last like five years like this. And it's not near completion. One day, Bishop came to my house. We're looking at the house. From, you know, we're looking. I said, maybe next time he will plaster it. He said, no, he can't. I said, what do you mean? He said, this house is too big. He said, the cost of plastering is more than the movement we have been seeing every time it comes. So it will take him two motions, two years to plaster the building. Yeah, two cycles. Thank you. <laughs> they were, we, we checked it. Oh, did I tell you that he hasn't roofed it? We checked it, so we said, okay, what about the plumbing, the electrical? So we can't calculate, okay, give the guy 10 years. By the way, if you are building like that, just know you are not blessed. Let's just leave it like that. I won't say more than that. Sell the house as it is. Give the money to the poor. <laughs> the Lord is good. I don't want to get sidetracked into talking about that. So some people, people will look and say, ah, this house. Because listen, no matter how well you build it, if I show you where you'll be staying, you will abandon this one sharp, sharp. No, think about it. Let us assume that you are doing this one year, one block we are talking about. And after six years of labor, you finally finish your three-bedroom half bungalow, which you, you and your friend bought 450 square meters. Then your own portion is 225. So you can, <laughs> can take one car that squeezes against the fence when you are parking, and it took you five years of intense labor, you sweated, did two jobs. I mean, what did you not do? Finally, I was about to get ready. Then you see your old friend is now a footballer. He said, oh boy, how now? He said, ah, why they he, he goes to inspect one house. He said, you remember you are the reason I made it in football? He said, yes, I remember. He said, I decided to reward you with this. He gives you one six-bedroom, you know, house. On 2,000 square meters, we drive in, drive out, and all those kind of things. We usually say, ah, I've labored for six years on this one. I must stay there for one year first. We usually like that. You go look down and say, museum, let's see the years of... <laughs> you won't park inside there. You won't say, because I work so hard. You just, you just look at yourself say, why did I not know this would happen? See, you're just checking the years you did not... Your wife, it was your wife's birthday, no ice cream. <laughs> Your children wanted new canvas. You say, am I made of money? What's wrong with you people? I mean, a 10-year-old boy needs new canvas. And you ask, what about the, what about the one I bought last year? 10 year old. You don't know how, how they grow? They'll be grown as if they are eating fertilizer. You know those children? There's an age you just you look at these children. If I cut away your toes, they say, I'm wicked. <laughs> I mean, literally, you buy shoe in January. By March, 
You look at the shoe, look at the boy. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> so remember all the days those people suffer. That's, you just be angry. That should have just bought my ch- And by the way, can I say another thing to you? You know, we see many things along the way. If you are buying a car, your children can't change shoes. That car will jam in Jesus' name. You won't die, you won't die, you won't die. You will not die. You won't die, but it must jam. God will not let it not jam. How will it not jam? Just to let you know all flesh is grass. There are things that shouldn't take some things away from you. Some people, they want to buy a motor car. After that, when you say, is this guy's birthday party, they won't go. You say, you don't like to mingle. Is it because of social distances? No, he can't afford the, to give him a gift. So if I don't eat his chicken, I don't owe him a gift, he'll stay at home. Why? He wants to buy a car or he's laying a foundation. Nonsense behavior. What did I say? Yeah, let me correct people. Because you are building a house, you can't change your shirt. You should know that that house will leak. The roof must leak. It will leak. You don't think it will leak? You should know you are, there are things you do, you know you are not blessed. You know you are doing something before their time. You will know that this season is not right. You want to acquire one material property, and every other thing in your life is suffering. You lift your hand, praise the Lord, your shed tears because the shed, <laughs> it has a, you know, on your body, sheds come, they expire. Why? He said, when we finish this house, you are not blessed. The time for that thing is not right. The time is not ripe. You want to give, you want to do something, then your offering has gone down. You go to church before, when you come, you know, and they say, let's take our offerings. So today you bring out the envelope, you put correct money, you drop it in church. Amen. Now you are going, you're asking your wife for change. Uh, your wife said, honey, when did you start collecting change to go to church? Say, the plumber said that the, <laughs> you start quoting plumber. Uh-uh. That building, shut it down. What did I say? Suspend construction. Say, Lord, we're not doing it again. No, no, no. This is not the will of God. This is not the will of God. It's one of my guys. I see him only. I tell him, say, listen, this is not the way to live. I always have his car. I say, your car is necrotic. If you're a medical person, you know what I mean. Okay, let's use the common that you don't need decay. That's a kind of decay. You will laugh and say, oh, God, let him finish his house first. The house is building is not small. Massive. So this is not how to build a house. Eh? If something runs you off the road and into the bush, who will live inside that house? Oh, the Lord is good. Like I said, it's a, it's a by the way thing. I like to drop tips for people. You are doing things like that. Enjoy your life meanwhile. Do you get my point? Let your children enjoy meanwhile. Don't say children in this house, no more birthdays, no more ice cream, milk, for breakfast is not necessary. We found out that Esusun, uh, that's termite, contains the same amount of protein. So your children should be eating insects because you are building the house. <laughs> Please, it's not the will of God. Amen? Amen? Let me say it like this simply. The time is not ripe. You're not blessed yet. The time for that thing is not right. It's not right. You want to travel abroad. You're not owing people. Because you too, you must go on holiday. Look, I've seen people who went on holiday. As soon as they arrived there, they became sick. Two weeks after, they, after uh, 
after they, that is the state they were seated, when they recovered, it was time to go back home. That's what God does when you start doing holiday. That's not your portion. I hope you're getting my point. You can't say because you want to take a trip abroad. Then suddenly nothing is balanced around. It is not yet time. When the time is ripe, not only will you go, you will take somebody along. You will even say, oh, I bet the, 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 the flight is too long. I can't sit down in the economy. Yeah, God will lift you to that level. So I need to lie down. I've been busy. Ah, we were supposed to travel on the 18th, and I was busy till the 17th. There's no way I'm sitting up, upright. One day I was coming back from the U.S., my father in heaven. I looked at my wife. I said, you know the greatest desire of my life right now? She said, what? I said, to lie down. I was sitting in the poverty section. <laughs> ah! I felt bad. Like apostles will say, God punish poverty. I wanted to lie. You know this kind of thing that you want to lie down? The, lie, the lying down is just lying you. Your leg is kicking the chair in front every five seconds. That day, I told my wife... May, just pray, may God bless me. I know they sit down here again. And I'm not sitting here again. He was suffering. Everybody sit down like sardine, you know? In a row. And you're feeling happy. We're going to America. I said, this is not to go to America. This is not to go. Those who go, you know what I'm saying? They press the button. The chair will stretch out. They call the air hostess. Please give me something. Thank you, sir. You know? That's how to go in an Abrahamic fashion. We thank God for the Pauline going, but <laughs> you know, he gets on a flight to go day on. He said, This is not shipwreck. <laughs> you feel like you are floating in the deep for two nights. He said, Brother Paul, me too, I don't wreck before. But if I forget away, you are flying. <laughs> the Lord is good. Ah, what I'm trying to say is that, listen, God will lift you up. At the right season, you will do something without stressing. Learn to just wait. You know, a lot of times people don't just, they don't believe that that will happen. They don't believe that will happen. One day, one of my colleagues told me that he had a house to rent out somewhere. Ah. And I, I had somebody who needed to rent a house that time. And I said, I just mentioned to him that, please, one of my guys needs to rent a house. He said, he has a house so that he's not living there. But now he warned me that the area is dangerous. So that's why he parked out. I said, what do you mean? He said, if you park your car, boys will jump. Overnight, remove your battery. They remove, you know, things from your... So he got tired and packed out. You know, this kind of areas that you need two lions patrolling your compound to be able to sleep. Now, this is where I'm going. I, and I looked at him, looked at his, he looked at everything. I realized that he built that house very early in life. As long as I didn't make him money, he went to one area where he could get cheap land and built a house finer than the other houses on the street. Like, me, now I have a house. God said, you have a house? Okay, stay there now. And one day he packed and went and rented, essentially rented somewhere else, ran away from his own house. I shook my head. I said, he should have known. When he began that house, that God did not agree. You know how you know God did not agree? Everybody's under tension because he wants to do something material. Some people will not even pay school fees again. You know, the, you know the one that made me laugh most? I've not got to, hey, I, hope, I hope I'm helping somebody. <laughs> Maybe the person is listening from on YouTube or MixLR. There are all kinds of things I've heard in this life. There are things you will hear. You want to tell the person that, are you all right? One day, I went somewhere with somebody, on a friend of mine. So as we you know, we went to do something, as we were leaving, one of the people attending to us was making sign, one lady, to my guy. So they wanted to see him. Lisa, okay, I need to talk to you. 
please, sir, I, I need to talk to you. So I kind of moved ahead to allow them talk. I just waited. So I saw whispering, whispering, whispering. Then he came and said, hey, he said, Pastor, I said, what? He said, see me see trouble. I said, what is the problem? He said, that person that was talking to me said, please, whether he could give her some money to buy medicine. She has a condition, a chronic, this kind of that doctor will be giving medicine every year. You just be taking small, small. You don't go die, but you don't go cure. You know that kind of, like hypertension, you know, diabetes. They said, whether he could help her buy the medicine. Ha, mother, why am I helping you? Say, you say, you know I'm building a house, so I don't have money. It sounds funny, right? Okay, this man of God says it sounds stupid. It doesn't sound funny. There's, there's nothing funny about it. But it really happened. I was there. My guy was embarrassed, like, excuse me. You can't buy your own medicine because you are building a house, so I should help you. If I help you, won't God punish me? Think about it. Is that help? No, that's not help. It's called a conspiracy of foolishness. That's not help. I gave my wife the gist. My wife said, ah! <laughs> this is the one. She would tell the person, don't ever say that again. That money is not the problem, but don't ever say it. One man was dedicating his house, and he was thanking everybody. Thank you, dedicating my house. All of you have been supportive, and I particularly want to recognize Mr. and Mrs. Okemote, who, even though I did not pay my children's school fees for two years, they did not drive the children from school. <laughs> I'm not joking. Maybe it wasn't two years, but everybody just looked at them like, oh, what? just announce your foolishness with megaphone. One man, they say, when, they, when his tenants go to meet him and say they have problems, they can't pay the rent, he says, you don't recognize that your rent is also a problem. <laughs> one of his tenants was one telling me, he said, you listen, but I said, this man is very right, he's his landlord. He said, when you, when you finish telling him your problems, why you can't pay rent? He said, sir, I think you are making a mistake. Your rent is also a problem. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Let's recognize that your rent is a problem. That you will, that you will tell the other problems in the story that I can't solve you because I have to pay. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I trying to say? Brethren, please, eh? Allow God bless you, amen? amen. Don't jump into a season that he has not lifted you into. That's all I'm saying. Don't jump into a season he has not lifted you into. Those is when I was in Lagos, I did not have a car. Somebody said, we don't have a car. I said, no. The one sister was talking with me. He said, ah, why not? And in my mind, I looked at the girl like this. looked at her. These are men deceive you people. You see a handsome, anointed, young man of God like me. He didn't have a, I don't have a car. And you are saying, why not? Okay, I will give the spiritual answer. Hallelujah. The curious moment for the manifestation of the steel and rubber has not come. I began to pray last week. The Lord was saying to me, my son, wait. Thou shalt try counting manifestation of the full anointing thy life. I said, is it a lie you want to hear me? I looked at the girl. Why else would they tell you that I don't have money? I mean, what do you want me to say? That the model I need to drive has not been imported into Nigeria. I just looked at the young woman, look and look and I say, some people they foolish. You are, you are asking me why not. Okay, I will tell you. I can't afford it. The last place I went to, I prostrated. They said they don't go grip prostrate to collect motor car. They said they need money. Now I can't come out. 
Why are you asking me why? Instead of you to pray with me, say, <laughs> say Pastor Bank, the Lord shall lift you. But I will say amen. Meanwhile, let's enter Keke, enter bus, down for Mulwe. We will get to where we are going. Do you know what I noticed? All the time I was in Lagos, there was not a day I didn't get to where I was going. Did you notice that? <laughs> and when I was coming to Enugu, I, thought, I got here too. Nobody ever stopped me and said, hey, you don't have a car, you can't go. No. In fact, the one that used to make me laugh, when they start queuing for fuel, and you know the Bible says you will say, blessed are the people who did not bear in those days. When I say queue for fuel, I said, me? Mm-mm. Thank God you didn't give me the reason to queue for fuel. What just happened is that Small money will join the downfall. And sometimes we could trek from Ojuelegba to Idiaraba. It wasn't bad. And it was because, not that you didn't want to pay the money, but sometimes it's the load of human beings waiting for the few buses that have well. Before they tear your pocket, you know, some boys, hey, 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 it's your pocket. It's not, they don't want to go anywhere. They've done it to me and my friend before. So you just like, let's be going. You just trek, jeje, trek down to where you are going. No hold up can hold you. If, if the holder holds the down for your inside, you will come down. In fact, some people will say, conductor, and they go again, keep my money. <laughs> the Lord is good. Please tell your neighbor, relax. relax. That's what I'm going to say. Let me get back to my message. The Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. I've also, how did we get there? You know, when we start preaching something, we all lose track. You know, you know how I normally get back on track? I go to the beginning. Uh, you can never miss it if you, if you go back to the beginning. Amen. Amen. So, now what I'm going to explain this evening again is to remind us that, listen, any interruption between our lives being, you know, able to conduct the power of God, the word of God will come this evening and, and you know, it will solve it. And I was explaining that, look, you, like, that we are not just being blessed, we are what? Conduits of blessing. We are conduits of what? Blessing. Let's remember that. And I was not explaining that don't ever get to a point in life. That's why I went to all of that. Where because you are pursuing one blessing, you are no longer a blessing. That is not the will of God. You must constantly be a blessing to everybody. To the people around you. To yourself. That's why I went to all of that. That don't wear an old shirt that's expired because you say you are building a house. It's not the will of God. Let's bear that in mind. Alright, the Lord is good. So, what I want to share along that line today is to explain something about the knowledge of God and the will of God and how we need to pray effectively to bring the will of God into um, experience, into our experience. You know, one thing I'd like to remind people of is that Jesus said, pray like this, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And two things I want to bring from there. Number one, the fact that it's a prayer point means that the will of God is not done automatically. That's number one. We need to remind ourselves of that. If it was done automatically, it wouldn't be a prayer point. It wouldn't be a prayer point. It's a prayer point because it is not done automatically. That's why we need to bring it into experience. And it's an assignment he has given us. You must understand, God does not command us to do things just because he feels like commanding people. He commands because those instructions, obedience to them, I, or is important. Obedience to those instructions is important. We must obey those instructions for that blessing and that conduit that we are going to be of blessings to manifest. So, when it says, 
pray like this, it means we must pray it. It means if we don't pray it, that will will not be done. Let me remind us of something again. We are Christians often have disagreements. He said, you err not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. That is something that we make mistakes because we don't understand the scriptures. I grew up under the influence of the word of faith very strong, and I have no regrets about it. I love the word of faith. I, I hold on to the things I learned that time. And it, it's not as if that movement has passed away. No. You keep on adding on to what you learn. It was a solid foundation for our lives. But there's one conflict we used to have. And I still read many books based on that background. They'll tell you some things like, this can never be the will of God. That God never does this. Now, they are right is that, that is not the will of God, but that God never does it is not true. Now, the, of course, like if anything appears negative, for example, somebody dies, he says the devil. Somebody is sick, says the devil. Somebody loses money, is the devil. Something bad, bad in quotes now, happens, all right? What we all call bad. They say it has to be the devil. That is never the will of God. That no father, now listen to this, no father will willingly afflict his child with sickness, with disease, and all of that. And it makes sense, except that it's not the whole counsel of God. As we began to grow, we now looked closer. I said, no, brethren, we are making a mistake here. They said, God does not ever do anything like that. I said, no, if you read your whole Bible, you know he does. They said, no, under the Old Testament, he only allowed that the youngs, uh, uh, not youngs now, um, one particular Bible um, scholar said the word that God did is in the permissive sense. It only means he permitted. And anytime only one person understands something, of the hundreds of Bible translators that have come, I may be suspicious. It may just be a personal opinion. Because what I did under that is I just went, went to many translations. Occasionally, you know, stumble on things like, I, the Lord, I do these things. God, knowing that we are going to deny it one day, he will say, I create calamity. You understand? He said, I'm about to invent trouble for these people. I mean, God starts using those words. And they now say, no, that's under the Old Testament. No. Again, let me not get carried away. I don't call that portion of the Bible Old Testament anymore. I stopped that a few years ago. I call it what? The law and the prophets. That was what Jesus called it. He didn't call it the Old Testament. What is called the Old Testament is a covenant that God made with Israel through Moses on the mountain. Genesis is not Old Testament. It's the law. All of that is the law and the prophets. That's important for us to know because Paul explained to us, writing to the Romans, that to them was committed the oracles of God. So the things that God wanted to say to you and me today, he gave it to Isaiah. Isaiah documented it. If I, Isaiah, in my opinion, of all the former prophets, that is, former, that is not um, these New Testament prophets now, of all the prophets of old, so, uh, to me, is the greatest. I mean, reading Isaiah, and of course, I've read people analyze it. Isaiah has, your Bible has how many books? Isaiah has 66 chapters. The law and the prophets, or commonly called Old Testament, has how many books? Eh? 39, thank you. Okay? And New Testament has how many? 27, thank you. Isaiah has two portions. The first portion is 39 chapters. The second portion is 27 chapters. And it's very distinctive. Isaiah chapter 40, which is the beginning of the second chapter, you see it's distinctive. Comforty, comforty, my people. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Tell her that our warfare is over. It's distinctive, different. In fact, some scholars say there are two Isaiahs. They say the first one is by one Isaiah. The second one is by another Isaiah. Of course, 
other scholars who I have read, they say there's nothing like that. But just to let you know that Isaiah is such a crucial prophet. He prophesied things that only when the New Testament began that people were able to understand those things. Without Isaiah chapter 53, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ will have been extremely difficult to interpret. When they talk about the servant of God, you see it in Isaiah all over the place. Isaiah 45, you read 49. You see it all over the place. Isaiah described Jesus, I think the only person that came close to describing Jesus like that was have been David in the Psalms. Isaiah almost painted the picture of Jesus for people to see. So nobody can tell me it's Old Testament. It's called the prophets. To them was committed the oracles of God. They spoke things, all right, for us that we are supposed to walk by today. So remember that is Old Testament, please. Like my pastor will say those days, that it depends on how you are reading. If your eyes are covered, everything in the Bible is Old Testament. If your eyes are open, everything in the Bible is New Testament. That's whether you're veiled, whether there's a veil over your eyes, or there's no veil over your eyes, is what determines what you see. For example, that if you, the, your eyes are veiled, you will discover that even in the liberty taught by um, Paul, all you will see is do this, don't do that, don't do this. That you will use Paul to teach instructions. <laughs> like people told me that Paul said, as you have prospered. So he expected them to have a percentage with which they paid, gave money to church, which is a tithe. Because Paul said, as you have prospered. I said, ah, how do people, people they interpret it? I had one, anyway, let me not go there. Let me not go there. People give in, oh, you see, detail, break Paul down to laws. But if your eyes are open, you see what they call the showbread, you will see Christ in it. If your eyes are open, you will see, okay, they put a lamb, uh, they put a serpent, a brazen, a brazen serpent on the standard, on the pole, and people look. You will see Christ in it. You will see Christ in it. You open Psalms, you'll just be seeing Christ everywhere. If, if your eyes are open, if the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, you will see Christ everywhere. Please read your Bible from Genesis all the way to Malachi. Start from Matthew and end in Revelations. There's nothing new, there's nothing old. It's the ability to interpret and decode. That's what matters. So people said, under the Old Testament, God did this. God doesn't do it now. I said, this is not so. I was having that argument with some people. He said, okay, show me somewhere in the New Testament where God ever punished anybody like that. I said, Jesus told the woman, <laughs> Jezebel. He said, wonder woman, I will strike her children dead. The Greek was clear. He said, she herself, I will cast on the bed of affliction. Like you said last time, when God is doing something, even the devil, they wear a mask. Instead of you being afraid of the devil. Now, the, but the, 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 the problem was because we didn't fully understand and that's what I want to explain again. I've said it many times, but we can't say this is enough. That there's a difference between the will of God and the judgment of God or the decree of God. Everything that happens on the earth, God decrees. No matter how bad it looks, he has to decree it. You can't sneak behind him and do that which he does not accept. It's not possible. It's not just about allowing. It is about decreeing. You see the way God speaks. And one of the places where I'd like people to note it was when Micaiah was prophesying. Micaiah explained that, you know, of course, you know what happened? Josephat and Ahab, 
they were going to battle, and they now got some uh, Ahab's prophets to come and prophesy. And um, of course, after they finished prophesying, Micaiah was looking and saying, "No, I don't trust these um, these prophets." Let's sorry, not Micaiah, sorry, Jehoshaphat. So he now called Micaiah, and of course. They said, okay, Micaiah said the things he wanted to say. Ahab said, did I not tell you that you will never prophesy anything good about me? He said, okay, how is everybody saying something? And you are the only one saying the opposite. And you know, Micaiah now explained something. He said, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and his left. The Lord said, who will entice Ahab? To go up and fall at Ramos Gilead. And one said this while another said that. Then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, how? And he said, listen to this. I will go up and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. What did God now say? Then he said, you are to entice him and also prevail. Go and do so. Did you notice that? It wasn't permitting. He was what? Commanding. That's why I wanted to bring that one out. Oh, sorry. Reading from 1 Kings chapter 22 there. He said, you are to... Now, that's what I want to bring out. The spirit came, mm, I will do this, I will do that. That spirit could not do it. Please, pardon me to use a, borrow a good word for this kind of situation. Until God blessed it. So he says, be fruitful. Multiply. He said, the Lord blessed them saying. That's what he does first. He has to empower. Even the thing that he doesn't want. Now, question. All right. Was the death of Ahab the will of God? Answer, no. He said, Pastor Banky, but he just said, who will entice Ahab to go to Ramoth Gilead so he might die there? That's not the will of God. That was the decree of God. That was the just recompense of reward for the disobedience that had filled the household of Ahab. It was not the will of God, but it was the decree of the Almighty. Why? Abraham said, won't the judge of the whole earth, he called him, do that which is right, he's the judge of the whole earth. So when the judge is judging, he doesn't necessarily judge his will. He judges justice. Did you hear what I said? Justice demanded that Ahab died. Therefore, he said to that spirit, you are to go, you are to entice him, and you will succeed in it. So nobody could persuade Ahab not to go. I don't know whether you're getting my point. All the noise Jehoshaphat was making, Ahab would go. There was nothing you could do. Even Micaiah could not persuade him to go, not to go. Even with all of that, God had said to that spirit, you will succeed. So when God says like that, he decrees. When he issues forth the decree, it must happen. So many times, experiences we have are the decrees of God, but not necessarily the will of God. Because people used to say that, was Jesus fighting the will of God when he did this? I say, you don't understand. Jesus was an embodiment of the mercy of God. And there's something about mercy. Sometimes, justice will demand something. Mercy will stand up, like we say in that song. Mercy says no. You know that song? 
And that's, the, that's all I know in it. If I see more than that, I will spoil them. So, <laughs> mercy just says no. So, mercy, the Bible says, triumphs over what? Judgment. Anytime mercy stands against judgment, it wins. And the embodiment of the mercy of God is called Jesus Christ. So there are times the decree of the Almighty will go out. As it's about to be executed, the mercy of God will also arise. And say, Father, no. I know what will not happen. <laughs> you know, there was one young boy. Now this is folk tale made into a Nollywood movie, which I saw many years ago. And I remember it's very dry movie, very uninteresting movie. I didn't like the movie one bit. So I didn't watch most of it. If the movie lasted as they used to last, first episode will be two and a half hours. To God be the glory, then the second episode will come. And God will get more glory. Amen? <laughs> so this must have lasted maybe like five hours. I don't think I saw more than 15, 20 minutes of it. But why I remember it is because you know, when you, de- when you delve into spiritual understanding, you'll be seeing things everywhere. There was a time there was calamity coming upon the land. And one little boy, maybe he's a called priest, you know, they called, born to be a priest in that land, somewhere in Africa. And he stood. Okay, what happened is that some people went and fished in the river of the gods. And you're not supposed to fish in that river. So they provoked the anger of the gods. So the gods now spread their anger in pestilence of something over the land. And the little boy went and took a piece of stick that stood for something. I can't remember the details. But then he stood just like Moses. Are you getting my point? Between the dead and the living. And he turned, held that stick up. And he held it up. And all, now that's why I remember the story. All the anger of the gods came to the stick and entered his body. After that day, he was not normal again. He was sick. His skin began to peel. His back bent. He became an outcast in the society he rescued. Why do I remember that? Anytime Jesus says no, he takes the judgment. Don't think the judgment just disappears. Jesus didn't die because most of dead be so. It's all the no he has been saying for a long time. Is the no that Moses said. I don't know whether you are following me. It's when plague breaks out and he tells Aaron, yeah, bring the incense. And he brings the incense and he swings it and this plague ceases. It's when, Moses, it's when Abraham, David disobeys the word of God. And God says that, okay, choose three months. Three years of famine. Three months running before your enemies or three days in my hands. And David said, the Lord is merciful. Tell the Lord, we'll be in his hands. Let him punish us. We cannot go into the hands of our enemies. Those people are wicked. And coronavirus broke out. Smallpox broke out. Whatever it is, Ebola broke out. And three days, 70,000 were dead. And the angel entered into Jerusalem. And was about to start to slaughter. And David turned and begged. Like an intercessor that he was, he had learned to beg. Say, Lord, what have they done? Okay, okay, we sinned. All right, I agree. Was well, I not the one that said, why don't you just punish me? And, they, and he physically saw the angel hanging there with a sword in his hand. And I said, okay, where you saw the angel where? The threshing floor of around now. Go there, offer a sacrifice, I will accept. Do you know what happened? Jesus died for the rest of the people. That's the point I'm getting you to understand. 
that spray didn't just vanish. They packaged it and stoned it forward. Those were the things that congealed in what the Bible calls the consummation of the ages. That Jesus had to come. All these sins God forgave. When Adam sinned and did not die. And God covered him with the, you know, we slaughtered an animal and covered him with the skin. A type of the atonement. Jesus paid for that. So when I talk about Jesus being the embodiment of the mercy of God, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I mean it in literal terms. That was why by the time, you know, all those stories you see, all these pictures, I was teaching some children today, show them a piece, say, is that Jesus on the cross? I said, well, that's somebody on the cross, but we're not sure Jesus looked like that. <laughs> we're just talking. Because I was saying that we really don't know what Jesus looked like. He said, oh, this, I said, no, no, this one is acting. This is not painting. The real Jesus, we don't know what he really looked like. And he doesn't want us to know what he looked like. And if you go and check, it was deliberate. None of the people described him. Matthew did not. Mark did not. Luke did not. John did not. If you never thought about it, they described other people. They told you about Zacchaeus. So they didn't have to describe people. They did not talk about Jesus Christ's appearance. Do you know why? They wrote after he had ascended. And he had given them certain instructions. And he said, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Paul wrote about that. So he didn't describe him physically. Otherwise, you will have known that the Jesus you see on the cross was not like that at all. Let me tell you what Jesus looked like on the cross. He was not recognizable. How do I know? Isaiah said it. He said his appearance was so distorted. Ah, we said, is that a human being lying up there? Cancers grew on him. His bones were broken, you know, spiritually now, in, in, in car accidents. HIV ravaged his body. Coronavirus killed his lungs. All kinds of things happened to him in that short instant. So when he looked, he said, who, where, who's that? Isaiah was the one that told us. He was so twisted, they couldn't recognize him. Is he white? Is he black? You turn this way, he looks like a white man. Now he looks Arab. No, he's a black man. Why is he black like that? They check, ah, no. You wipe your eyes again. When the whole thing was over, was when he calmed down again. He now brought his head body and said, ah, okay, he's the one. You know what they thought? They thought it was the beating of the Romans. It wasn't the beating of the Romans. That was not what happened. No. It wasn't the Romans that did that to him. You know who did? <laughs> Look at your neighbor. So it's you. No, he too is telling you it is you. Everybody point at me, says you. Are you afraid of me? Tell me it is me. And I'm telling you same to you. All of us. We did that to him. Every single every time you disobeyed, you know. I saw, you know, the other day I was watching TV. My wife and I were there. You know, Christian TV, just flipping channels, got this one. They said we went to show. I looked at the name of the man doing the interview. I wasn't interested. I was about to leave. But I decided to stay. And they were describing this boy at the age of 8 or 10. He saw three people killed in front of him. You know, hard neighborhood. That's where he grew up. I think he came from Puerto Rico or Cuba or Mexico. One of those Latino zones, you know. And this guy grew up hard. He did not know anything about mercy. 
without them saying expressly, we knew. They killed members of the other gang. Just, you know, they didn't think of it. He was a gang member. Then this young man, of course, police barbed him one day. But he was so dangerous, they put him in solitary confinement. And he was young. And they didn't trust him. <laughs> they didn't want to holler. They put him in solitary confinement. See, there's one small black woman that used to come to the prison to come and do evangelism. So he requested the guards, can I talk to that guy there? So the guy looked at, the guy, looked, the guy in that cell said yes. <laughs> the guy laughed, said, you're wasting your time. So when he said, hey, you, he said he just assumed it wasn't him. But the, the little black woman went there. How are you? So looked at the woman like me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fine, you can see. I'm very, very fine. So the woman laughed. <laughs> Knew this guy was hard. And said to him, I'll put you on my hit list. He said, that resonated with me because I'm a gang member. I know what hit means. So the woman said, I'm going to put you on my hit list. So he looked at the woman like, you put me on your hit list? The woman said, yes. He said, hmm. So the woman took his name, went home, and put him on her hit list. You know what that means? Of course, he began to pray. Do you know what happened? That's what I'm telling you the story. The guy had never heard of Jesus Christ. Not as if he rejected him. He didn't know what you're talking about. So preaching to him was pointless. So one day in his cell, I think at night, he woke up. He began to see a movie on the wall. He saw a man being beaten, carrying a cross. And as they would thrash him, the guy would fall, he would get up. So he was, he was watching it on the wall of his fence, of his cell. It was a vision. Then suddenly, he, a scene will pass, then another scene will appear. It's of him stealing, of him disobeying his parents, of him stabbing somebody. Then it will go back again, you know. So they will show the beating of this man. And he was like, why are they doing this to this man? Then they will see him. And then he will see himself again, committing iniquity. Then his sin will change. He will see that man who he didn't recognize. He had never heard the story of Jesus Christ. Then finally he saw them nailing this fellow to the cross. Ah. And they say, he said that he has seen people die. I mean, he was a killer. So he saw suddenly the guy's head, you know, saw the guy's head drop as he died. And the best guy in his death turned and looked at him and said, I did it for you. And the vision ended. And the person said, go and get a Bible. So he just called the guard. Please, they said I should get a Bible. He said, they, they said I should get a Bible. So they sent him a Bible. For the first time in his life, he read Matthew. Ah, the story is inside there. He read, look, the story is inside there. That is, he saw the story of Jesus live, real life, in a vision, before he ever read it in a Bible. True story. That was how he gave his life to Christ. For the first time, he started to cry. I can assure that guy had not cried since he was a child. He was on somebody's hit list. <laughs> The story is long. Let me just stop it. The part of it you'll enjoy. That woman attended his wedding. One day came up for parole. They asked him that, because he changed so much, you know, there was one part of it. He said, there was a, the, the, the prison was full of gang people. So they said to him, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whoever was educating him in his cell, that is, of course, we, now, we know he's the Holy Spirit, he didn't know. Told him that, okay, tomorrow you go out, tell your gang people, 
that you're done with the gang life and you're, you want out. And say he knows what that means. Immediately they mark you, you're dead. So next day he gathered, okay, they now had the reason for solitary confinement. It was no longer in solitary. He had changed. They didn't have solitary. So he gathered these people, asked, they spread the word that he wanted to talk to them. Young guy told everybody that he has given his life to this Jesus he met so that he's not um, doing gang work again. He just wanted to know that he's out. And he went to do his cell, ready to die. The person interviewed him said, where did you get the boldness from? He said, I wasn't bold. I was just obeying instructions. <laughs> he said, no, bold. I wasn't bold. Then, no, I, I knew I was going to die, and I fully was ready. Not as if he wanted to die, but what option do I have? I've been instructed. I've done what I was told to do. Then, at night, that night was the longest night of his life. He did not sleep. He knew that once his cells opened next morning, he would be dead. And really, once people began to move again next morning, one of his guys had been detailed to go and kill him. So that one managed to find his way into his cell. He was sitting on his bed, waiting. So the guy entered. He knew why he had come. And the person said to him, that thing you said, do you believe it? He said, yes. The guy said, I want it too. <laughs> that guy, he said, there, I led the first person to the Lord. That guy said, no, something must have happened to you. Are you serious? The guy said, I'm serious. He said, then, can I have it? That's how that guy too became a Christian. His evangelism life started right there. And what I'm telling the host to let me not lose track is that he saw the sin of Jesus being punished and he saw the sin of his own iniquity. And at the end, Jesus looked and said, I did this for you. Let me tell you, Jesus forgives sins. You know why he forgives? He's paid. It's not about I'm nice, I'm nice. I have paid. He has paid. Your sins have been forgiven. He has wiped them away. He paid. He paid. He paid. Nobody can hold you for anything because he paid. Because he paid. Let me just finish a bit of the story of that man that I watched. I've forgotten the name now. That day my wife wrote the name down. He said, one day, the, of course, his change had been making, you know, waves here and there. So one day they called him up for power. So I was surprised. Said, People like him, they go for power maybe like once in five years, once in seven years, that he fully did not expect to be paroled. He expected to die in prison because he had a very long sentence. He was in prison for serious crimes, not a joke. So the parole board came. <laughs> they asked him, um, do you think he should be released? Why do you think he should be released? He said, released? No, I don't think I should be released. He said, before now, I never understood the gravity of my, my offenses. He said, now I understand. And I realized that the judge was even very nice. So I sentenced me to like 30 or 40 years. They actually deserve to get a life imprisonment and die here. No. I think my judge, my, my sentence was just. In fact, it was fair. I don't think I should be released. They released him. He, he, when he announced that he has been paroled, he was surprised. Like, why? When he made that statement, he wasn't trying to trick anybody. He, he said when he understood the gravity. He, let me explain what I'm saying. Before, he didn't know what they call sin or wickedness or iniquity. It was the only life he lived. When God awoke, you know, awakened his conscience, he looked at his life. I said, ah, the human being could be like that. I think I should, I should die here. He meant it. But that's how he got released. Life started for him. When they showed his picture, you see, three beautiful children. You know, he was not a family man. You know, so moving. 
My wife wrote the name down because she wants, she wants, she's, she's planning to get the book. Beautiful book. I'll try and, that is a beautiful story. We plan to get the book. Why am I telling this story? Now back to the reason why I told the story. Jesus is the mercy of God. That's why the father could say something, then he will rise up against it, in quotes now. Now he's challenging God because he is the mercy of God. That is why, you no know, once we're going to Makori to preach on he that dwells in the, it's called the, the hidden, the secret place. That's the title of the, message, the, the program. Was on our way, I realized what the Lord was saying. That God's secret place is not the place of prayer. God's secret place is not the place of fasting. The name of God's secret place is Christ. So when it says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High is the person that abides in Christ. In Christ, things work differently. When I got it, that, I think we have it, in, or it's not on our website, but it's part of our collection. I don't want to, the last seminar we had in Makodi also. The secret place. It's the embodiment of Christ's mercy. That's why I said, coronavirus, I said, he that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know why? Because Jesus is the embodiment, embodiment of the mercy of God. That's what he is. If sin iniquity throws you somewhere, he brings you out if you look up to him. That's what he does. So people used to misunderstand. Say, why well, is Jesus fighting God? He's not fighting God. He's the mercy of God. So if God decrees this young, this widow, your, hus- your, your, your husband died, either because of his sins or your sin or the combination of both of your sins, but judgment has not yet been, you know, fulfilled. You know, there's one word in scripture I'm looking for, but I've forgotten for a moment. That is, judgment has not been accomplished. That's the word, accomplished. So how will judgment be accomplished? Your son will go to. So the widow, of course, these things, you don't hear them until you see the effect. Unless you have spiritual people speaking. And then, of course, suddenly, the boy took ill one day and died. Listen to me. It was the judgment of God. Not the will of God. I hope you know the difference. Judgment or decree is when God puts everything together including first his will, then our behavior, and the prayers we did not say. <laughs> the repentance we did not repent. When he puts it together, he is compelled to issue forth a decree. That's what they call the decree of the Almighty. It's not his will. Then for certain reasons, there are so many things to say about it. It was the day of the mercy of God. And the mercy of God came as the woman was lamenting how her life was over how her husband had died, how the only help she has in life died this morning. And it was late in the evening, they were taking the boy to go and bury. And mercy met them on the way. You know the rest of the story? And he looked at the casket, and he ended the funeral procession. It wasn't like it was not the judgment of God at the beginning. It's that it is the time of the mercy of God. You know, he says, mercy triumphs over what? judgment. He looked at the woman and, compa- you know they call compassion. Let me tell you something about God. Even when he's punishing people, he's still sorry. When I say sorry, it's not as if he's regretting. No, he, he, he wishes he didn't have to. That's why he said, who will stand between me and these people? Who will stand in the gap? He looked up and down and there was nobody. Therefore, he reluctantly but definitely poured forth his judgment, his wrath against the land. 
said there was no intercessor. There are times an intercessor will arise. And he says, please, the volume of the iniquity is too mighty. So Jeremiah will say, Lord, ha. He says, sorry. Even if you like wake Moses up and call Samuel on this matter, I can't listen. Because sometimes people pour for so much. But one another says that he never likes to do it. Do you know how wicked Nineveh was? They said the Nineveh people, they were, in fact, they are the Assyrians. The Assyrians were, you know, let me tell you how Assyrians used to fight. When they go to battle, when they finish, you know, conquering the people, they now start messing the people. Kill the women. You, people don't mind they kill women for what? Now you take the women. No, they go kill. And when they are leaving, they carry stones and stone the whole land so the land will be useless. If you have a well inside, they pour water, they pour sand, they, they pour, you know, rubbish inside, coal tap, everything. This well, and I don't go drink again. They were, <laughs> wicked people. Yet God did not want to destroy them. When God said, go to Nineveh and shout, <laughs> Jonah said, will you kill them? God said, just go and cry against them. <laughs> Jonah said, hey, no, no, Lord, I thank you very much. But my question is, give me assurance that they will die. God refused to give that assurance. So Jonah said, I'm not going. He said, I'm not going. He said, I know you. You are a merciful God. That's how you'll be disgracing somebody anyhow. <laughs> this really happened. Though. I'm not just... Me- he, he said, I'm not going. God will say, you will go. He said, I'm not going. Go to Nineveh. He said, I'm going to Tashish. He just got to... He, he wasn't really going to Tashish. He just got to the motor park. <laughs> the first vehicle going anywhere away from Nineveh. <laughs> so he saw one boat... Going to Tashis, he had the money he paid. He said, this one, I will not go. God said, this one, you will go. You know the rest of the story. Finally, I arrived in Nineveh through a long, tortuous you know, path that included passing under the bottom of the ocean <laughs> and through the belly of a fish. He arrived there and reluctantly cried against the city for a day and a half instead of three full days where everybody will have heard. And he went and sat somewhere and said, yeah, I don't talk about Jonah. <laughs> and he went and said, let's see what will happen. Now, they were that wicked. Jonah wanted them to die. They were bad people. Jonah wanted them to die. And you know what happened? They repented. And without taking permission from Jonah, God didn't do anything. He said, 40 days hence, you guys are dead meat. 40 days came, nothing. Fifty days came, nothing. Pentecost happened in <laughs> Jonah, nine, that Jonah job provoke. Like we say, Jonah got angry. What kind of nonsense is this? Now, why I know this is happening? He said, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? That's where I got the whole from. He said, was this not what I said? This was my very complaint. When he said go, I said, I know you. You won't kill. Jonah was trying to tell you, God is always reluctant to destroy Right now, he's shaking his head over New York. Say, didn't have to be like this. I didn't have to release the angel of death from one building to the other. Slaughtering you people. America now has lost 400,000 people to the COVID-19. 400,000 people. And listen, if the world does not repent, Nigeria, please pray. That one we got, let's sustain it. It is not just by saying, I rebuke. You can't rebuke. You should know when you don't have the mouth. You can only repent and beg for mercy. Because they have seen, 
I've seen this coronavirus. My little understand it. They just don't want to tell people because people will get panic. See, this is your vaccine. You want to hear me? Listen. Okay, both prophetically and medically, it's not going to work. The virus is changing its head every day. Now there are four, four strains more wicked than the first one out. Is it four or three? The one from South Africa, the one from Bra- Brazil added their own last week, and the one from UK, which was the first one. And they're saying, no, 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 the, the, the vaccine will still work. <laughs> I said, stop lying to us. How do you know? Have you tested it? It's an assumption. And if you shout it too much, Koro will change something else. Now, it's, 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 it, that spike protein, you just twist and small. Once it twists and small, boozer, that's the end of it. Back to square one. God said, you will beg for mercy. This mercy, you will get on your knees. You, you say you don't believe. You go believe. Just watch me. That's what God is saying. This whole world. You, I, I, I just bless you people anyhow. You know what God said? I had a vineyard. He said, just between me and my vineyard. What have I not done for the vineyard? He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to remove the fence. I'm going to get strangers to come and plunder it. People who don't know anything, that think America just got built up for nothing. Europe just got built up for nothing. Listen, prosperity is a gift of God. It's not human arrangement. It's a gift of God. And if God blesses you, if you don't say thank you, he will punish you. It's an, it's an eternal arrangement. It's an eternal arrangement. If he blesses, you must show gratitude. If you don't, he will pour gravel in your mouth. He will fill your mouth with dung. It's an eternal arrangement. When he has done that, you still have not repented, he will wipe you off and give your land to the Arabs, which is what he's going to do to Europeans. And then some people are saying that God is a God of grace, is a God of grace, 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 grace. Grace does not work in the midst of disobedience. First thing grace does is teach you what? The grace of God has manifested, teaching us to depart from iniquity. Grace is a teacher. Grace empowers. They will tell you you were born gay. Grace will say no is a lie. And for goodness, even if you were born blind, won't we heal you? That's what grace does. Grace says to you, everybody is stealing your country. Don't join them. Say, what if I'm hungry? Die peacefully with your hunger. Grace empowers you to lie down in peace with no food in your stomach. And you will say, I will not steal. Tell nobody lie to you that because of God's grace, grace, grace. No. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. Please, I'm teaching this again because that's where we made a lot of mistakes. We started getting into arguments. Say, no, Jesus, God does not. That is the devil. It is not the devil. You cannot disobey God and the devil will be helping you to repent. Does it make sense? Did he not say, before I was afflicted, I went astray? I mean, that means the devil really loves the Lord. It's like your child is disobedient. And your neighbor that hates you now takes a cane and flogs him. You tell this boy, don't go out. He jumps your fence. Goes, your neighbor catches him and flogs him and flogs him. Is that not a good neighbor? That's what it is. Because the only thing he has done for you now is to return your son back to your instruction. Yes, the flogging is not nice. But ultimately, it's working for the good of your family. So why are we describing the devil? No, the truth is that no. No, I've heard people say all kinds of things. 
that God will not give the devil the right to teach his children. I said, that's why he does it himself. That's why Christians, if you have any, I tell Christians all the time, this is how you pray. If you have affliction, don't start rebuking, 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 first of all. First thing, you go and pray. You search inwards. What is going on in my life? Sometimes God, the Lord says to you simply, you have neglected the things that matter. Yeah. That's what it is. It, it, the, the sin is not always a grievous in the eyes of man's sin. But it's always there. Sometimes I will tell you, you have neglected the things that matter. Time to re, you know, rearrange. Go back to the things that are more important. The world has given you its agenda. I was discussing with Chuck just now that sometimes people just abandon the critical needs of this world, of the society, to pursue after the things that bring them money. And they now say the country is going bad. Sometimes God says, rearrange your brain. Look at the things that matter. You spend all the time analyzing stock market, all the time analyzing whether dollar is going up or going down. That's all you spend all the time doing. Why don't you just sit down and hear what God is saying to you? Sometimes affliction redirects you. I was telling you that, that when we started last week, that was uh, two, two meetings ago now. I had an experience. I've had it many times. By the time I don't have to do the Lord, say, Lord, is there no other way to, I mean, with a punished person like this, is it good? And you know, I didn't hear voices, but the Holy Spirit just said, you know the way it is now. It doesn't have to go like that. It's like your child telling that, why is that every time I jump the fence, you flog me? Is it good? Is there, is there a discussion you should have? Say, bro, stop jumping the fence. Simple as ABC. Why are we having a discussion on uh, flogging is not good? Last time you flogged me, I, I couldn't sit down for three days. That's the idea. Stop jumping the fence at night. If I ever have any trouble, the first place I go, is that my personal experience? I don't know why I'm sharing it, but... The first place I go is, <laughs> it's not about, I, I just carry the scriptures. I say, Banky, start reading. Start studying. Spend more time studying the word. Like I was saying, the people that they went and prayed for five days. What you said the law for five days, I respect you. I have not been able to do it. That is, Apostle, have, you, have you never wondered? Or you, or, you, or you are doing it too? <laughs> have you always wondered what people did? Honestly, please, I don't mean this. I'm not being critical. The other day I was saying, I read something. They were showing spiritual power. This man fasted for 72 days. This one fasted. I said, eh? And I'm looking at the spiritual power that they had. I said, now, nah, wow. Even Jesus, my Lord, did not fast for 72 days. You, you know he did not? 40 days was what he did. So anybody bragging on he did 60 days, I think you have no respect. You not get respect. Even if you did, you're supposed to hide them. How can you be outshining the Lord like that in fasting things? Is it good? <laughs> but concerning even the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says afterwards he became hungry. You were hungry day too. I'm sorry, I mean no disrespect. I am not joining you. I have no... Listen, that is not the key to your spiritual power. Get out. It's not the key. It's not the key. He himself does not know how. God will anoint people because at that time they were falling from a tree. 
When the anointing came, he said, if you want to, want to be anointed, climb a mango tree, fall down. Break the legs, no anointing will come. Forget that thing. Yep. <laughs> you have, look, listen, listen. Peter and James, so James and John came to Jesus Christ and said, left and right, can we sit? He said, you, can you take the baptism? Can you drink the cup? The key to theirs was, drink the cup, take the baptism. And they say, we are able. For information, is the most foolish reply I've seen in the Bible. He said, can you do something you have never seen anybody do? And you say you can. I don't know whether I get the point. It's like I'm going, <laughs> I'm going somewhere. He said, can you follow me to where I'm about to go? He said, yes. I'm about to pass through difficulty. Can you pass through? He said, yes. You see, the first question will be what? Where are we going? What are the things you will pass through? Then when they show it to you, now decide whether you can or you can't. I, I, you know the person I like? Ezekiel. He said, can these bones live? He said, I don't know. <laughs> Son of man, can these bones live? He said, Lord, you know. Why are you asking me something you have the answer to? If I say it can live, you say, where have you seen it before? If I say it can't live, you say, you are doubting me. He said, no, no, God, Baba God. Answer your own question by yourself. Tell me, son of man, these boys can live. And I will say, amen. Ah, be asking me things I don't know. <laughs> they ask those boys, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink and go through my own kind of baptism? And they say, we are able. Jesus said, good. I heard Herod used one of them to do target practice. Yes. Herod killed James. When they were asking questions, next time for you all keep quiet. You don't know James died very early. The other James is not the first James, though. The one that wrote your Bible is not the one that talked that funny thing. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh God. What am I trying to say? Listen, it's not, that's not the key to spiritual power. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Alright? You don't know. What I have found out is, like I was saying to you, people say they prayed for five days. Ha. I've tried to see what they said. One man said he, when he, when it comes to preaching pre, pre in a difficult country, he will pray for 13 hours. Like, excuse me. I'm not afraid to pray for 13 hours. I just want to know what you said for 13 hours. I just want to know. I'm not angry with you. I'm just curious. Bros, what were you saying for 13 hours? So I was praying in tongues. Holy Spirit spoke through you for 13 hours. And it's not a habit. I doubt it. So, Pastor Mark, God, do you do? Ah, this is my own. When it comes to prayer, it's not tag, tag, yakking all the time. No. I've had my own experiences over time. I will say what I want to say for a few minutes. Confess my sins for a few minutes. Praise the Lord for a few minutes. Usually, at the end of 30 minutes, one hour, all of this don't finish. I carry my Bible, I will not read for the next one year. Uh, we can stay there. That's not hard. Uh, what is Derek Prince for? What's David Posting for? What's the, uh, what is his name? Uh, Kenneth Hagin. What are those people for? Why did they preach all those hours of messages? We put them in our ears and we keep listening. We put them in our ears, we keep listening. So when I'm infirm like that, what I will do is simple. Lay aside many distractions. And take time out 
Derek Prince said something. I first heard it from him in this message many years ago, almost 30 years ago now, when I heard him preach God's medicine bottle. My son, attend to my words. He used to read the scriptures like swallow medicine. You read the one for the morning. Usually he used to take it after food. He would sit down and eat. When it's done, he now says the medicine he knows, he take them after food. So he now take the Bible and sit down on that table where he ate and study the scriptures for some time. After doing that, he gives thanks. Next minute, he does the same thing again. And what doctors could not cure for a long time disappeared, I forgot, I think in two months or so. Totally. Then one day somebody saw him and said, Ah, what happened to you? Look at it was a skin condition. You look so every good now. What happened? Ah, I don't know. The thing came back the following day. So he started treatment again. And he got his instruction. So next time somebody said, Ah, you look well. Say, we thank the Lord. We give praise to Jesus who heals the sick. And raises the dead. I studied his word. His, uh-huh, he gave his testimony. It's tough saying, I don't know. The day he said, I don't know, healing disappeared from his body. So this is what I, later I'll teach you about. What I understand, Christian, fast and praying for days, it's not about doing all the talking. It's about doing all the listening. It's about doing all the listening. It's about focusing, getting to know. Now, that's where I wanted to start from. It's about getting to know the Lord. Getting to know the Lord. This is what I wanted to share with us. All right, let me see. If, for time's sake, John chapter 17, verse 3, don't open to it. It said, this is eternal life. That they will know you, the only true God. Remember, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. When life, you must understand, is a tangible spiritual substance. Life is like blood. You know, if somebody doesn't have blood physically, he becomes weak. If the blood is not correct, low, for example, low white cell count, he starts having infections here and there. If the blood cells go mad, he dies after a what you call leukemia. I hope you're getting my point. Blood is critical for life. Blood is not just, look, and listen, that physical blood, God said the life of the flesh, that's where it is. If I, when I teach, there's what we call inflammation in medicine, I use the Bible to explain it. That's what gave me understanding. If I literally quote it for my students, that life is in the blood. So, when you injure your hand, as an example, it swells. Why? Because it has to... Okay, let me just teach you a small minute. We say, what is the purpose of inflammation? One of it, it is to limit the extent of the injury, remove the cause of the injury, and start repair. Those three things. That's how we teach it. So I now explain that life is in the blood. Life is the reason why you can heal. Life is the reason why you can repair. In fact, one day I remember I was driving down that prison area, and it was a hot, you know, hot day. And my car didn't have AC, so I was feeling the heat. And as I was hot that day, suddenly I looked beside me and there was a tree. No matter, nothing big. And I remember that tree was full of green. It was strong. The leaves were out in full bloom, the, the leaves. And it was green. And I said to the tree in my soul, can't you feel the heat? 
And the answer came to me, I was the one doing the thinking in my mind. The tree has what? Life. Because it has life, it can stand all the adversity of the sun. I say, eh. So what does life do? Life helps us stand what? Adversity. Life is, a, is in the realm of the spirit. When you talk about the life that is in Christ, what we mean is, is like saying the blood that is in Christ. What Christ does, you no, know, think about somebody. Imagine Jesus has his power, is physically available on the earth, and his blood can heal anything. So somebody is sick, we now go to Jesus Christ, please. Can you donate one pint, just one pint? He gives us a pint. Then we'll go and transfuse into the person. Then the blood that is in Christ Jesus permeates all his body, kills every disease, heals every tumor, drives away infections, kills coronavirus. That's what they mean by life. It's a spiritual substance. It's tangible. In the realm of the spirit, you almost can fetch it. You can fetch it. It's as you can see it. It's life. It's a fluid flowing substance. So physically on the earth, God re- reflected that in what? Blood. So I explained to students, you know, that what, why your hand sweats that is driving more life to the place. So when the life of Christ, eh, when it flows in you, it heals diseases. I hope you're getting my point. That's it. So that's why we declare the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. And is doing what? Giving life, life, life. Life. What Jesus actually does is to infuse life into his people. That's what he does. Infusing life into us. So he was praying that the people will have eternal life, which is a full description of a name for that life. He said, how do they get it? He said that they will know you. Are you getting my point? Life flows. Life is able to flow if you have the true knowledge of God. Many times, lack of that knowledge is why it can't flow. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why I said that John 17. He said, what is eternal life? That they will know you. That the more you know of God the Father and of Christ Jesus our Lord, the more life flows into you. The less you know, the less life flows into you. So, I was talking about sitting down for days, for hours, instead of doing all the talking. You know what I have come to realize? We do all the learning of God. Do you get my point? Like I was saying the other day, what we need to do is focus until the things of the Spirit... Please, get my point. In the realm of the Spirit, right? What you know is power. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's like, it's like money. You are hungry. You take it, you know, 2,000, I go down, there are about two joints where you can chop better in this building now. Are you getting my point? You go there. You don't beg them, do you? You order. It's called order. You sit down, place your order. Do you follow what I'm saying? You place your order. You know what they call order? An instruction. Deliver to me a plate of rice. Deliver to me now. Chicken. Deliver to me dice plantain. Then deliver to me a bottle of, you know, drink. And they will say, yes, sir. Was it your age that gave you mouth? Was it your anointing that gave you mouth? What gave you the mouth? The money. Let them eat it first and don't, don't show them you don't have money. <laughs> what gave you that authority to order them? You see a man that is twice your age, telling you, yes, sir. It's your money that he's saying, yes, sir. Who are you? 
if you remember one movie who watched those days, let me not advertise any movie now. The girl said to the guy, he said, these people, they were not nice to me yesterday. The man said, stores are not nice to people. They are nice to credit cards. So what is yes sir, yes sir, yes sir? They are telling us, it is what? Credit card. I have money. That is why they are talking. You know, I'm trying to explain something to you. In the realm of the spirit also, knowledge is transactional currency. Knowledge is what? Transactional currency. That's why I said, those that do know their God, they shall do what? To exploit. They will spend money. I don't know. Are you getting my point? When they know God, they do exploits. That is why Paul said that I may do what? Knowing him. When they know. So in the realm of the spirit, they can buy anything. That's what that knowledge does. It gives you the ability. Physically, I need a car. I carry money. I order the car. I need a new computer. I take money and I order them. I'm hungry. I go to restaurants and I order then when it comes to the realm of the spirit, when I want to order things, I need to know God. So Moses said, we said, what do you want? I want to see you. I said, ah, you want to see? He said, yes, because the more I see, the more I command. I don't know why you're getting my point. When the people were misbehaving and God said, I will punish them. Moses said, God, let me see you. When I finish knowing you, you won't punish anybody. I don't know why you get the point. And God now gave him the revelation of himself. And he began to hear the Lord merciful, who forgives iniquity. So when he heard that, he knelt down to pray. He said, God, forgive the iniquity of these people. God had to forgive because he first knew something. Do you get what I'm saying? It is that knowledge that commanded the forgiveness for the people. So what do Christians, what should Christians do? Seek to what? No. Not to spend 10 hours praying and doing all the talking. You settle down to do what? To know. You settle down to know, to find out. Things you didn't, like, I, when I hear Christians argue, I say, no, you don't understand. Power will not flow into your life like this. You have one knowledge of God, and you hold on to it. We are telling you, you say, hey, God is merciful. He said, but God is also just. If you don't understand the severity there is a kindness and there is a severity of God. If you don't have both of them, your currency will not work. It's like having a coin that has only one side. Nobody takes it from you. That is why I take something like this play going on right now. Many Christians, their prayers zero. Their prayers zero. Why? They come to it and say, we have come right now. We are rebuking the devil. The devil that wants to destroy the earth. The devil that is killing people. The devil. Uh-uh. And God said, read your Bible. Where did you see a pestilence break out like this? And it was the devil. They said, no. It is a new world order. They planned the coronavirus. They released it from the lab to be able to control us. One of my classmates in university, don't know him personally, but somebody said something that he wrote. He said, why will Pfizer do that? Not because they are holy, because they have easier ways to kill you if they wanted to kill you. Say, most of your drugs that you buy, do you manufacture them? 
You are already buying the drug. All they need to do is put whatever they want to put inside. They are giving injections every day. All they need to do is put it inside. Are you the ones that made yellow fever? In fact, somebody says, Africans, shut up. You don't make anything. Yellow fever vaccine, did you make it? No. Well, what do you call this other one? Uh, polio vaccine, did you make it? No. They did not give it to all your children. I, they were there swallowing. Stop this nonsense. So we took the glory of God and gave it to mankind. You know what happens? Shut down the flow of power. We can't stop anything. We have not given God the right glory. We don't know him. We are broke. We want to order cure in the realm of the spirit. Knowledge is our power. Not knowledge of all kinds of rubbish out there. The knowledge of God. That is how, what? Spiritual power. Eternal life. That's how it flows. He said that they will know you, the only true God. That is what's called eternal life. That is how it flows. So I reasoned about it. I want to stop the present plague. Let me tell you. The only thing you can do is to first give God his glory. I know, I'm, look, most people who are shouting faith, 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 they will not agree with me. That's your problem. The Bible agrees with me. The Bible agrees. That when you want to pray at such times, what do you do? You say, Lord, have what? Mercy. Lord, have mercy. And God says, look into your lives. Repent. Repent. Begin to repent. The more you repent, the more you can receive the mercy. And after a while, God says, okay, I put a word in your mouth as my prophet. Say stop. Then you rise up from the place of prayer and say, this plague, stop. Then it stops. It ceases. Why? Time will not allow me now. Because the Bible says you have been in the what? Council of God. That's what it means to be in God's council. You have discerned the mind of God concerning the situation. You are not fighting against his order. No, no. You have received mercy. Because you received mercy, you now stood up because you say, I, I don't want to start teaching about it now. There's what the Bible calls the oppression of the devil. Jesus did what? Went around healing all that were what? Oppressed of the devil. That thing is a deep. Again, when we don't have enough understanding, we sit on it. But there's something Jesus was saying. There's something was saying. Anytime God shows you mercy, Satan does not go away automatically. Disease does not go away automatically. Affliction does not go away automatically. That is when you rise and say, the will of God be done. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Now, between the time God grants mercy and you experience the fullness of that mercy, whatever negative thing you experience at that time is called what? Oppression of the devil. If God decrees death for Ahab, and even if it's the devil that comes to kill Ahab, it's not oppression. I don't know whether I get my point. Have you ever heard that the state is oppressing a man who stole, they caught, and they put in five years imprisonment? Is that oppression? But when you take a journalist and say he reported it against the government and you locked him up, is that oppression? Why? He did not commit a sin. He did not break any law. You don't use the word oppression for people who are under judgment. But when they have gone for the baptism of John and they have received mercy and they are still sick, the Bible says they are now under what? The oppression of the devil. Let me say it to you. If you have given your life to Christ and the troubles of your former life are still with you, you're under oppression. Did you hear what I said? Yes, 
Because actually you have been forgiven. Let's rise to our feet. Because actually what? Say, I've been forgiven. If there's pain in your body, if you are here this evening, there's any affliction, any trouble in you, and you have really given your life to Christ. It's called oppression. If anybody is sick today, eh? it is called oppression, unless you're not a believer, or you are walking in sin. If you are walking in sin, then it is not oppression, it's called imprisonment. There's a difference between oppression and just imprisonment. But if you have given your life to Christ, and you really have given your life to Christ, you have been forgiven. Remember the story I, I told one young man? He lived a very riotous life, you know, had lots, you know, all kinds of things. They gave his life to Christ. He didn't know he had HIV. He did not know. God just looked at him and said, this boy, let me cure you of an injury you have. He didn't know. I don't know, along the line, now went and got tested because of his job or something. He said, HIV positive. God said to him in a vision, in a dream, go and get baptized. They dipped him in water. He came out of it. Next time he went for, it was negative. Next test he went for, it was negative. God said to him, listen, I will kill you. I'm not, I'm not the one that forgave you. Because from the time he gave his life to Christ until that moment, he was under what? Oppression. That's what they call oppression. But because he had given his life to Christ, God said, no, you shouldn't have it. If you are listening to me from anywhere, I rebuke that oppression out of your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, I command you in Jesus' name. Don't go and give any sacrifice to any god somewhere. So people say your grandfather is the one that committed the family to the devil. So you now go and offer a sacrifice. Rubbish. What did I call it? Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. It's, ru- it's nonsense. What, you is ha- what is happening is that you are being oppressed. And right now, you are released from that oppression in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen. By the mercy of God, yes, that's good. The mercy of God is Jesus Christ. You know that? Yes, sir. By the mercy of God, I command the release for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. By the mercy of God, I command the release for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Only Christians who continue to deliberately walk in disobedience can be held down. No matter what be the trouble in your body, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I rebuke every oppression of the devil out of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If it is poverty, Sickness, no matter what be the disease, it's oppression. Why is it oppression? It is simply because you have been forgiven. It was not oppression until you received forgiveness. If you have received forgiveness, amen. amen. When Jesus came, he was healing those who received forgiveness under John and the anointing of John that Jesus and his disciples carried in the first period of their ministry. That's why he walked where people are plenty. Pick one person, you. Take up your bed and walk. Because that one had received mercy. If that's how Jesus just used to heal people anyhow, why didn't he just clear the whole five porches full of sick people? Why did he pick one man? Because the Holy Spirit said that one is oppressed. The other people are under the just recompense of reward for disobedience. Leave them alone. The one who had repented, who had, I assume, that man had crawled to where John was baptizing. Or somebody has said, Brother John, he can't come. Can you help him? John said, no problem. He carried in his house, carried a bucket of water, baptized him whichever way he did. He said, there's one coming mightier than I. Wait. When Jesus came, he said, these people have received what? Mercy. Forgiveness. So every affliction in their body is what? Oppression. If you have received forgiveness, say amen. Amen. If you have received mercy, give me another amen. Amen. 
Now, by that, amen, you have rejected sickness. Amen. You have rejected diseases. Amen. You have rejected infertility. Amen. You have rejected poverty. Amen. You have rejected corona death. Amen. By that, amen, you have rejected a brief life. Amen. You have received a long life. Amen. You have received productivity. Amen. By that, amen. No, I said if you have given your life to Christ, if you have received forgiveness, amen, and you said amen. By that, amen, you are free. Right now, you are free. Just put up your hands and receive freedom from the Lord Jesus Christ.